Thank you, Alan. Do you have, what song do you have planned for afterwards? What song do you have planned afterwards? Would you consider maybe doing uh, Set My Heart one more time? Maybe, well, we'll see. She makes her own decisions. Good morning, I'm Eric. Um, I am not the pastor here. I am filling in for Pastor Cameron, who is doing very diligent work of taking care of his family. Um, after Sherry had her surgery, I believe, tentatively, he'll probably be here next week. Otherwise, I think he'll blow up. Um, <laughs> I know he's, he's got to be chomping at the bit to get back here. But he said, Eric, you can try one more time to fix up how you did last week. I will give you exactly one more chance. It's still too low. Um, that's not true. He was very generous, and uh, you all have been extremely generous. Uh, and I thank you for that. Um, let's see. We have youth group tomorrow night. Youth group tonight. I had literally one job. <laughs> it's on the screen. Huh. Youth group tonight, 530? 5.30 to 7.30. Read it for yourselves. <laughs> um, and we have June 5th, 9 a.m., Saturday, work party. That sounds like an oxymoron. <laughs> Evidently, there's a work party here. June 5th, Saturday, 9 a.m., be here or be square. Um, we will have, what, what will we have, Jake? We'll have uh, everything we need except for hands? We'll have everything you, that you need except for your hands. Bring your hands. Sign in in the lobby. Don't miss it. Um, all right, I'm going to pray. Father, I ask that you would that you would use me as a vessel today. I ask that ears and hearts would hear your word. I thank you. Let's open up to Acts three. Again, we're going to be um, really spending a lot of time in Acts 3, specifically 19. Um, so we had talked a little bit last week about Peter and John are walking in. For anyone that wasn't here, so far I've still got a lame man laying right here, <laughs> and I've still got a temple gate right here. Um, Peter and John are walking into the temple. The lame man's laying there, they say, I don't have silver, I don't have gold, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise and walk. The man gets up. This is something that we talked a little bit about last week, but I feel like I, I want to at least very briefly touch on it again. What did the lame man do to receive healing? He did absolutely nothing but lay there broken. And that's, I, I feel like this is just, this is something that I just really want to stress. Um, because 
Oftentimes, we pray for healing. Okay, my feet have literally hurt since I was 18 years old. I've had surgery, tried to get it fixed, not fixed. It's really easy for in our heads to go, there must be something wrong that's out of alignment with the Almighty because he made me in the first place, he could heal my feet. Yes, he could. I can't defend that lie in Scripture that I have to get something in alignment. We can go all through the New Testament and we see every time when Jesus healed somebody, they were still in their sin. They were, so that's, I, I just want to make a point real quick that if, you're, if you have something in your body that's out of alignment, don't listen to the lie that God's not happy with your life. Because it's a loud lie, especially if you've been dealing with something for more than four days. Um, Peter had faith in Jesus. He, he okay, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to start in verse 19. We're going to start in... I guess verse 13. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, was glorified, has glorified his servant Jesus, the one whom you delivered and disowned in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. You disowned him, the holy and righteous one, and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. You put to death the prince of life, the one who, whom God raised from the dead, a fact which we are witnesses, on the basis of faith in his name. It has, in the name of Jesus, which has strengthened this man whom you see and know, and the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect health in the presence of you all. Faith in the name, the person of Jesus healed the man. Nothing that the man did. We're going to move on to verse 19. Repent, therefore, and return. Does anyone, let's see what this one says. Turn back. All right. Wow, did you do ESV just for me? You're amazing. Would it be possible to throw NIV up? Check this out. You're going to love it. It's just going to take a second. All right. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. That times of refreshing may come from the Lord. So last week when I was going through um, preparing and stuff, uh, what really stuck out to me was the fact that Peter walks up and says, why are you guys amazed at this? And then I was going through it again this week, and uh, Cameron said, sure, you could go ahead and do your part too. Um, and I couldn't get past verse 19. Because honestly, this is, this is what I kind of need. He says repent. Some versions will say return. This one says turn to God that your sins may be wiped out, so that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. I said, holy smokes. Man, am I the only one in here that feels like, man, I could just use like a little bit of a time of refreshing. 
just, I just get tired. I just feel like, holy smokes, I'm just tired of all of it. I'm tired of the last 18 months. I'm just tired of it. Um, times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. I thought, selfishly, that's what I need. I'm going to bet that there's at least three other people in the room that need times of refreshing in their lives. <laughs> if not, I'll preach it to myself because I need it. And I need water. Isn't it interesting that Peter walks up to this crowd, he doesn't say, that's, Cameron says stick to the text, which is hard for me. This is sticking to the text, kind of. It's what he doesn't say. He doesn't say manifestations of the power of God will come. Repent and be converted that manifestations of the power of God will come. He doesn't say that. Although it's true. He doesn't say deliverance will come, even though it's true. He says times of refreshing will come. I think, do you think Peter knew what these people were living in, what their experience in life was? I, I just want to real quick just consider who is saying this. This is Peter. This is the dude that he knew how to strive to show himself as something. Jesus is going to, he's going to go be crucified. That night, Peter says, Lord, I will even go with you, I will stick with you, I will even die with you. I will not leave you. A little bit later on, Peter is so zealous that when they come to arrest Jesus, he says, don't worry, folks, I got this. Grabs a sword, goes over, cuts off this, the servant of the high priest's ear. He knew something about, you. Don't, Lord, I'm going to show you who I am. You're going to be impressed. Are you ready to be done impressed? Because I'm your guy. I'll die with you. We got a servant of the high priest. I'll cut his ear off for you. I got this. They're going into uh, walking by one of the Samaritan, Samaritan towns, and uh, they didn't let Jesus and the disciples in, whatever. And Peter and a couple of the other ones said, Lord, would you like us to call down fire from heaven on them? <laughs> Do you see his mindset of like, I am somebody, and you're about to see it. I think Peter very thoroughly understood striving. Look, I'm gonna, I have to, but here's the thing, here's the deal. It's really easy for us to do the same thing. It's Sunday morning. Well, kids, put on your good clothes, Get in the car, it's time to go to church because we're going to show that we are something. It's, uh, I mean, the, uh, literally we could go on with the list. I think you understand the point. 
we tend to strive to show ourselves as something. Maybe you don't, but I find it very easy to find that in my own heart. What does Peter offer for an antidote? Repent. And what I, I had you pull up the NIV because it says, that one says turn to God. Um, we oftentimes when we say repent, we say, well, that just means turn around, change the way you think. So I'm going this way, and I'm going to repent, and I'm going to now be going this way. The NIV says turn to God, which is very interesting, because now that gives us a direction of where to turn, but here's the catch. I looked it up in the Greek. I don't speak Greek. I looked it up on the Google, and it gave me, this is the Greek word in the text, and this is the next one, and this is the next one, and here's the way it reads. The way it reads, repent and return. I brought my ESV with me here today, because just, this is just a little freebie. ESV doesn't, not ESV, NASB. New American Standard Bible doesn't necessarily read the easiest, but what they did is, on this particular translation, they were intentional to take the word, 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 and translate it into English not necessarily idea, which is what the NIV is. They took an idea of the text and translated it, and on this they took a word of the text and they translated it. The NIV reads easier, um, but I, I wanted this because th here's what it says. Therefore, repent and return. Isn't that interesting? Turn around and return. Return to what? <laughs> I can't, I know I can't not say it like that. <laughs> Sorry. The NIV would suggest return to God. That makes a ton of sense to us that are Christians sitting in a Christian church. It makes no sense to a Jew walking into the temple. Return to God. I'm speaking to a Jew that at the time, at the hour of prayer, is walking into the temple where they're going to be 20 feet away from the Holy of Holies. They can't get closer to God. What was Peter saying to these people? At what point, at what point did the Jews, ancient Israel, walk with the God that Peter's talking about. He's teaching Jesus to them. They had never known Jesus apart from the idea that they knew that Messiah was coming. He says return. What? To return to what? When was the last time that mankind walked with God? I'm going to suggest somewhere back here in Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created man in the image of God. He created him. But before that, it says, and God said, let us make man in our image. I'm sorry, Cameron. Super quick little waypoint. I know, I, I, be, be, I know I'm going, calling outside the lines. When it says, let us make man in our image, 
In the beginning, God. The word there is Elohim. If you know anything about Hebrew, I don't know a lot, but I know more about Hebrew than I do Greek. As soon as you add the I am, Elohim, I am, im, that's like adding an S on in English. It makes it plural. Every time in Hebrew, every sentence that contains God or the Lord, there is a grammatical error. This is, I know this is completely off topic, but I think it's super fascinating, so I'm just touching on it. It's a singular verb and it's a plural noun. God is one, God is trinity, God is three. Just, we see it when God says, I just bring that up because God says, let us make man in our image. How many gods are there? There is exactly one. But he's three in person. He's three revealed. That gets onto a matter of the Trinity that I know I don't fully understand, but I'm saying it's, it's truth, and we have to cling to it as truth. Somehow God reveals it to us as we seek him, and he will make it clear. The doctrine of the Trinity is not crazy. I'm sorry I got on that one, but I thought it was fun. Um, let us make man in our image. What was the point of man? This is amazing. Go to Isaiah 6. You can go there, I don't care. Um, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And there were seraphim before. Saw the Lord train of the robe, and there were seraphim. Each, check this out, which, with six wings. Two, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet, and with two, they were flying. And they called out one to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Check this out. You've got angels standing before the throne of God. They've got their faces covered, and they're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full, full of his glory. They're not looking at the throne. They're looking at the earth and seeing his glory. Their faces are covered so that they can't see the throne, right? The whole earth is full of his glory. They're looking down and they're seeing Man made in the image of God. Repent and return. So, the Jews are striving. They're doing what was ordered by the law. i got to get an idea where I'm at at time. we got these clocks up here. There's no, there's no one could read that from here. <laughs> like, so helpful. <laughs> I guess maybe I could if I really knew how to read an analog clock. <laughs> We've got the Jews that are striving. They're doing exactly what was ordered, what was told them to do. 
but they're still striving because they still hadn't entered into a place of rest. He says, repent. Yes, it means to change your mind, change the way you think. I surrender. The last song that we just sang, I surrender. That's at the heart of what it is to repent. Repent isn't just turn from your sins, although it is. Not that turning from your sins saves you. We turn from our sins because we've repented. It isn't, oh, I'm going to sin. Oh, I'm not going to sin. No, it's I'm walking this way. I repent, and now I don't want to sin. It's what we do with our flesh is, a, is it, it, it's, it's baptism. It's just, it's a symbol of what happened on an inward man. Repent. Stop striving to be something. And be converted. Or return. This is the other thing I did want to throw in with uh, Adam and Eve in the garden because it shows us the character of God. We were created in the image of God for the glory of God. But then what does God do with that? In the cool of the day, Adam heard the Lord walking through the garden, calling out, Adam, where are you? This is Elohim. This is the Ancient of Days. This is the I Am. This is the Alpha and the Omega. This is the Almighty. And here's what he desired to do. In the cool of the day, Adam heard the Lord walking in the garden calling out for Adam. He wants to be, wants to be, and indeed this is why you exist, wants to be in fellowship with you. That's what the Jews couldn't get because they didn't understand, and that's why Jesus, when he shows up, he says, no one has seen the Father, I have revealed him. They don't understand what they understand, and it's right that they understood it because that's what had been revealed to them. They understood to walk this way, walk this line. Not that the line of bet is bad, but that line never saved them. The one that walked the line still took their sin and bore the punishment of their sin and my sin and your sin. That one saved them. That's why it makes very little sense for him to say, return to God, because that, the God that they would have been returning to is not the God that Peter was teaching. He's saying, I mean, it is because the Messiah had come, but he's saying, the Messiah has come. So be converted or return. Here's something I'm going to suggest. Let's go to Psalms 1. It's somewhere in the middle of your Bible. It's a big old book, and it's the first chapter. I guess maybe it's at about two-thirds of your Bible. At least it is of mine. 
Psalms 1, starting at verse 1. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. Check this out. His delight, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, he prospers. Do you see what this man does with his time? His delight is in the law of the Lord in verse 2. In his law, he meditates day and night. Deuteronomy 6. Uh, now we're going to the left. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. It's book number five. Starting at verse five. Um, this, is, this is actually Moses basically giving... Uh, Deuteronomy is a fascinating book. It's a great book. It's essentially a couple sermons of Moses going through and saying, this is what you have to get. He's about to die. He's about to leave Joshua in charge. And he says, you got to get a couple things here. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. These words which I am commanding you today, sorry, this is, yeah, I did tell you verse, shall be on your heart. Teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So they had these, these like turban deals, and then they would hang little gems or whatever on them right here. They look nice. He says, take the law of the Lord. We know thanks to Jesus. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. On these hang all the law and the prophets. Bind them as a sign on your hand and as frontals on your forehead. They're right here. Everything that I see, everything that I see in life, I have to see through that. That doesn't come by waking up in the morning. I'm just going to set my alarm 15 minutes early so I can read the word a little bit. That's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. And I can tell you from experience that the most growth that I've had is in times when I've been diligent and disciplined in this book. But I can tell you 15 minutes in the morning is not enough to change this thing. Because you're, then you're getting lied to from this and from the rest of the planet for 23 hours and 45 minutes and trying to change the lens that you're looking through. Let's go to 2 Corinthians. 
10.5. It's a uh, New Testament. First, second, Corinthians. It's uh, somewhere in the New Testament. You'll find it. And if you don't, check it out on the screen. All right, we're actually not going to start at verse 5. We're going to start at verse 3. Has anyone been paying attention to Israel this week? Benny, did you shake your head no? (laughs) Um, Obviously, there's a lot going on in Israel. And I don't want to get into that, except for the one thing I did read, (laughs) except for, (laughs) said there hasn't been a flare-up in whatever, going back to shooting rockets at each other for however many years. Seven years. Um, But here's the thing. Neither side, during that time of peace, neither side... Sat back, sat back and binged watched Netflix. <laughs> Waiting for a rocket to come. Nope. Nope. The reason that both sides are effective right now in trying to carry on a mission is that both sides have been diligently training, planning, preparing, keeping keeping their mind engaged, even though they were, have been in a time of relative peace, keeping everything prepared for war. Check out what Paul says over here in uh, 2 Corinthians 10, starting at verse 3. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powered for the destruction of fortresses. Check this out in verse 5. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. That's an extensive list, so we'll just summarize it like this. Every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. if you are at all interested in what Peter talks about as times of refreshing will come. You won't get there apart from the truth of this. Yes, wake up 15 minutes early and get yourself in this book. But an hour later, when a thought comes, that is outside of this truth. Man, we have to see this as war. Where we say, no. No, I I take that thought captive. And, okay, so what does that mean, Eric? But take a thought captive, it's a flippin' thought, you can't grab it. You speak truth to it. it. No, I'm just, uh, uh, 
I'm stuck in addiction, I'm always going to be in, in this addiction. I can't change. There's a couple truths that, honestly, I cling to. They're found in this book. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. How does that happen? Oh, man, maybe that would be cool. Maybe God's trying to demonstrate who he is by what he does in me. Maybe I can't save myself by my own power. You ever think about this? Samson. Everyone knows the story of Samson. He's super strong. Everyone asks him a stupid question. Samson, where does your great strength come from? And when we look at the movies and the cartoons and everything, Samson's over here and his biceps are bigger than that piano. And no one would ask him where his great strength came from if he looked like that. It would be very obvious. They'd say, Samson, what's your workout program? They don't. They say, where does your strength come from? Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Samson was like this size. Probably not a big dude. That's why everyone's so amazed. That's why the Spirit of God comes on him and he receives strength. Because it's not about what his flesh has, it's about the Spirit of God. Help me. All right. Um, I'm actually making progress here today, serious progress. There's hope. How are we transformed? I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Memorize scripture. Take every thought captive. Walk in repentance. That's, it, these two really go hand in hand. Absolutely hand in hand. It's because to take a thought captive. There's a part of that that's like, that is repentance. That's taking that thought and speaking truth over it. We kill lies with truth. But we have to see, because Peter, Peter was something. Even when he was walking with Jesus. This is the word of God made flesh. And Peter is a real man that's walking with the Son of God. He's still trying to show himself something to this man standing here. And both he and Paul will go on, and John will go on later and say, you were dead. I was dead. You were darkness. When Peter's doing all this, he was in darkness. And he became something. That's what the returning it, we were transformed. Let's go to Romans 12. I'm trying to get you guys to see something here. I don't know if I'm making it very clear. Romans 12, verse 1. I urge you, 
brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies. So we're doing something with our bodies. Okay, great. A living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. But do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is. Crazy. That which is good and acceptable and perfect. Do you know what this church needs more than anything? It needs this thing right here to be renewed. Same goes for you, Bryce. Same goes for you, Joe. You want to know what this city needs more than anything? Yep. <laughs> he's, he's catching on. Do you know what my family needs more than anything? This is amazing. We're walking up to the guy that's laying here. Peter and John say, silver and gold I don't have. But what I do have, I give to you freely. My family needs this to be renewed far more than it needs me to go make another dollar. Here's the frustrating part. Kind of. The layman's laying there. He does absolutely nothing for the power of God to touch him. Peter's speaking to the crowd, and he says, you actually have to do something. You have to surrender. You have to take thought, every thought captive. You have to be renewed. Not for healing if you want the Spirit of God on your life. Um, I know you're not supposed to use your analogies of your kids in sermons, but I'm not a preacher, so I don't know these things. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a daughter that trying to get her to eat is stupid. And she's, she's like, I'm so tired, I can't eat, I'm so, I'm just too hungry. Like, I've done everything. I was like, you've got a plate here, you've got a seat, you've got a fork. Here's what you have to do, literally. Poke the food and put it in your mouth and chew. And that's too big of a hurdle. <laughs> And I was watching her the other night. She was doing that. I'm just like, that kind of looks like me a lot. Because I get, I get to this place where it's like, I'm asking myself, do I have the fruits of the Spirit in my life? Do I have, do I find love in here? Real love. First Corinthians definition of love. Do I find it? 
Do I find joy that's authentic and not fabricated? Peace? There's nine of them, and I've already, I've already thrown myself out within the first one or two, definitely by three. And so I'm going through life feeling like miserable, defeated, not at peace, not at rest. And here's the stupid thing. God's laid all that I need at my feet. He said, I've opened the door. Jesus, turns out, says he is the door. When we find ourselves at this place of surrender, he says, awesome, thank you. You sat down at the table, you ate of my food, and now I will give you my spirit. Now you can enjoy times of refreshing. Now I will fill you with love, joy, with peace, with patience. That's a hard one, especially when you've got four kids and the oldest is seven. Kindness. Who, who, like, you go to work, it's just like, sometimes it's just like, man, it's just hard to be kind. No, it's not hard to be kind if you empty yourself of yourself and allow the Spirit of God to fill you because you can't manufacture kindness. You can't. It's, it's a fruit of the Spirit of God. It's not a fruit of the flesh. Goodness. Faithfulness. Each one of these is a sermon, so I'm just going to read through the last two. (laughs) Gentleness and self-control. I'm just going to. I'm just going to do it because self-control. No, you won't. No, you won't. You might have a strong personality. You might be able to do it for a time. You might be able to fake it, and you say, "I'm going to fake it till I make it." No, you won't. Because watch this. God loves you far too much to let you do that. You weren't created to show how strong you are. You were created to show how faithful he is. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. How are we doing? Still got that doggone analog clock back there. I think I've done it. Um, I, I, just, I just wanted to close quickly with a couple of, I just wanted to read through a couple verses that, because this, listen, I need reminded often of this. And that's why you've got to listen to it here today. Because maybe, maybe tomorrow I will be back into a pattern of striving and trying to pick myself up by my bootstraps and maybe I'll stick my earbuds in and listen to myself saying, knock it off. I don't know. But I think one thing that I do, one thing I do think that I find, at least in myself, is we forget what God did with Adam and Eve where he walks through the garden and he says, Adam, 
Where are you? Because he wanted to be in fellowship with Adam. Because you see, there's something about when you see, you make this contrast, the same contrast that Isaiah had in Isaiah 6. He says, I saw the Lord and I said, Woe is me, for my eyes have seen the Lord. For I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. And it's very easy for us to get this idea that God is so exalted and he's so high up and he is so holy and that's not wrong, but we forget that he also loves us. He wants to give himself to us. He wants to give us the kingdom of God. Luke 12.32. This is amazing to me. This is the words of Jesus in this Bible they're read says, don't be afraid. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's his good pleasure. This is the only one that has seen the fullness of the Father. He says, this is what he wants to do. He wants to give you his kingdom. Listen to this. His kingdom, everything on earth, will be shaken to prove a point of something, that his kingdom is never shaken. His kingdom is established on truth. Don't be surprised when everything gets shaken. Don't be surprised. It's his good pleasure to give you a kingdom that is never shaken. Everyone loves Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you. I like two verses later. I like Jeremiah 29, 11. But I find that this, this, one, this one hits me deeper. You will seek me. It's Jeremiah 29, 13 and find me. Is that like awe-inspiring to anybody? You will, I am a sinful man. You will seek me, and you will find me. Proverbs eight seventeen says the same thing. Those who seek me, find me. Here's why. Again, it's letters in red. John 16, 27. He's talking about abide in me. Whatever you ask for in my name, I will give it to you. But here's the thing. Pull this one up, Jake, for me. It's John 16, 27. We're going to have a big hoorah, and then we're going to get out of here. Sorry, going to start at verse 26. I've never done that before. In that day, you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I, listen, we have an advocate before the Father, but he says, I don't even say to you that I'm going to have to be that advocate to speak for you. His blood cries out for us, mercy, but he himself, the one sitting beside the Father, beside the power, doesn't even have to speak on our behalf. 
I do not say to you that I will request of the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you. Because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from the Father. Jesus is the door. But the Father loves us. In this we know that God loves us, that he sent his Son. He loved us while we were yet sinners. And the Father hears you. You can trust him. You can surrender to him. This is the thing that you have to see. You have to keep it right here as frontlets on your forehead. I have to see. I can trust him. I don't have to do this in my own strength. I don't have to strive anymore. I can trust him because he loves me. That's taking every thought captive. That's what will change the way you think. That's what will change the way you interact with your family. Because as soon as you do that, he meets you. He's faithful. Um, Alan, I need you. <laughs> I don't care. Do whatever you want. Um, yeah, that's what, that's, that's what I want you to hear. Um, I hope I've said something. I believe Cameron's supposed to be back next week, that he will smooth out the rough edges. We'll, we'll find out. Um, but in the meantime, seriously though, uh, we... We need to be praying that this is a time of refreshing for them. Um, this, uh, what a great opportunity, potentially, um, for them to just spend time together as a family. Um, so I do encourage all of us to be praying for the Linehearts, and um, yeah, it wouldn't hurt to continue to encourage them with meals, um, whatever they need, find out what they need. I'm sure Ellen can tell us, so. Thank you.